Hello, and welcome to Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living, a podcast brought to you by the Heart Failure Society of America. I'm Lucy West, cardiology clinical pharmacist from Tufts Medical Center in Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm pleased to bring you our latest episode of the podcast. We're coming at you from Heart Failure Awareness Week 2023, where HFSA promotes heart failure awareness, patient education, and heart failure prevention all week long. Learn more at hfsa.org slash hfweek. Today's episode encompasses what's new in heart failure care, specifically regarding the 2022 ACC AHA HFSA guideline for the management of heart failure, and everything HFSA's journal, the Journal of Cardiac Failure, is doing to help patients like you. We do have some amazing guests joining us today. Our first guest is Martha Gulati, who is a professor of cardiology at Cedars-Sinai Heart Institute. She's also the patient empowerment editor of the Journal of Cardiac Failure. Welcome. Thank you. Our next guest is Anu Lala, who is an associate professor of medicine at the Zena and Michael A. Wiener Cardiovascular Institute and in the Department of Population Health Science and Statistics at Icon School of Mount Sinai and Mount Sinai Hospital. She is also deputy editor of the Journal of Cardiac Failure. Welcome, Dr. Lala. Thank you. Excited to be here. And finally with us today is Robert Mentz, who is an associate professor of medicine and the chief of the heart failure section at Duke University. He is also editor-in-chief of the Journal of Cardiac Failure. So welcome, everyone, to the show. I'm excited to have you here today. Thanks so much for having us. All right, let's dive right in. Dr. Mentz, first things first. We often, when we're talking to patients, we mention research and journals and things like randomized control trials. And sometimes patients and their caregivers do want as much information as possible. But other times I wonder if it can be a little bit overwhelming. So before we jump into what the Journal of Cardiac Failure does offer, can you share with the audience why you think it's important that patients and caregivers be aware of the journal and what's happening in terms of advances in heart care? Thanks so much, Lucy. This is really a great question. And maybe just taking a little bit of a step back, one of our central goals at the journal is to publish science that improves the lives of patients living with heart failure, as well as their support system. We work to keep patients at the center of everything we do. And I think you're right. Different individuals with heart failure are looking for different types of information about heart failure. And we strive to distill or to synthesize the latest information that impacts their lives. And we really want to share this information with the broader community, realizing we need to do that in different ways. So we work to tailor the message so people can learn in the way that works best for them. For some, that might be reading the patient summaries that accompany our articles. But for others, it may be a podcast like this, or maybe by social media, including our YouTube videos. So we really do appreciate that patients take in information in different ways, and we've had that as a core concept at our journal. That's amazing. You know, when you think about the Journal of Cardiac Failure, you often think of a journal, like actually reading something, but the fact that you have these other resources for patients and caregivers to learn from, like videos, I think that's awesome. And I know myself and tons of patients that would love to watch those. So when you became editor-in-chief of the Journal of Cardiac Failure, one of your goals was also to add a patient and caregiver center. So why did you think this was such an important addition to the journal? Yeah, thanks, Lucy. I'm glad you asked this question. 
as I mentioned, one of our goals from the very beginning was to keep patients and caregivers or co-patients, as we sometimes refer to these support individuals, at the center of everything we do. It doesn't matter how exceptional the science is that we're sharing, if it doesn't actually improve the lives of patients living with heart failure. Maybe I'll, I'll tell you a little story. As Anu and I became leaders of the journal, and we're prioritizing putting together a diverse team that included nurses and pharmacists and trainees. We also really wanted patient advocates, patient representatives, leaders in the field in conveying information to patients. And we were fortunate to have Martha join us. You'll hear from her in a, a few moments as our patient empowerment editor. Jillian Code is another member of our team. She's a heart failure survivor, and two-time heart transplant recipient, and she serves as our knowledge translation editor. And Kristen Flannery is our co-patient representative. So in this context, from the earliest days of taking over the leadership of this journal, we were fortunate that Jillian reached out to us and said, I want to be involved with this. Let me give you some guidance. Let's brainstorm together. And I'll admit, as I was first thinking of what this section of the journal could look like and discussing this with Anu, we were going to call this the patient and caregiver corner. And one of the first responses from Jillian is, my gosh, no, don't, don't put patients in the corner. Let's put them at the center. So it began with the name of this section, and it's really continued throughout the process of keeping patients at the center of everything we do, prioritizing impactful knowledge and data that help improve the lives of our patients. And I'm excited for Martha to share some of her perspectives as she's helped push things forward and really advance uh, things at the Patient and Caregiver Center and all of the patient empowerment work we do at the journal. That's incredible. And I know some of our folks listening in here are probably wondering how they can get involved too, and we will certainly address that during our session here today. So Dr. Lala, other aspects of the journal highlight how providers can continue to optimize care for patients living with heart dysfunction. One of the big publications in the last year was the updated guidelines on the management of heart failure that the HFSA published with the American Heart Association and the American College of Cardiology. What are some of the highlights of these guidelines and how do you think they will change the way we care for our patients? Yeah, thanks so much for that. I think this was a really, really exciting endeavor for JCF to be a part of. I think these guidelines represent a major advancement for our field. And I think there are three aspects that stood out for me, amongst others, of course, that I might say are worth emphasizing here. One, for me, this is something that's near and dear to my heart, is the emphasis that the guidelines placed on language specifically things like redefining stage B heart failure for those who have asymptomatic structural or functional abnormalities of their heart. And really what this did is it places the due emphasis on the clinical syndrome that heart failure really is and the focus on symptoms and the need for that. So I think calling that pre-heart failure makes a lot of sense and is also easier to communicate with our patients. I also like the addition of those patients with symptomatic heart failure being able to enter a phase of heart failure in remission, sort of borrowing from our oncology colleagues, the fact that we don't want to discount the history of heart failure, but we also want to provide that hope and insight that with guideline-directed medical therapy and appropriate management, you can enter a phase where you no longer have symptoms and that heart failure might be in remission. 
And then for those patients who have persisting symptoms, they are considered to have persistent heart failure. So I think not only does this allow us to communicate better with our patients, but it also allows us to communicate better amongst ourselves and as colleagues. And it also enables us to really pinpoint what therapies may be applicable to a given patient. So I really like that emphasis. I think that language matters kind of bled over into the emphasis on the continuum or the spectrum that ejection fraction is. So we previously used to think of things as buckets, heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, heart failure with mid-range ejection fraction, and heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. And now that mid-range has been redefined, I think appropriately so, as mildly reduced. And that, even though it seems like such a subtle change, I think, like I said before, really re-emphasizes the spectrum that ejection fraction is. And I think this is becoming more and more relevant as we see certain therapies like SGLT2 inhibitors be efficacious across that spectrum. So I really liked that as well. That's all point one. I think the second point I would love to emphasize that Martha feels as dear to her heart as well is, is the fact that there was a, a, an increased dialogue around prevention specifically in the discourse around SGLT2 inhibitors and their use. But I think we all need to recognize that heart failure and prevention do not need to be mutually exclusive, but also exist across a continuum Then I think that the guidelines alluded to, which I really loved. And then the third aspect that struck me was the fact that for the first time, they included a diagnostic algorithm as to how to approach patients in whom we are suspecting cardiac amyloid. And they did so, so beautifully. So I think those are three highlights for me at the outset. I think there are many other aspects, including cost and value-based assessments that were provided that were great as well. But overall, just a really exciting advancement for our field and a real honor and privilege for JCF to co-publish. Absolutely. And I totally agree. And talking with other colleagues about these guidelines too, you know, the focus on prevention, the focus on these medicines that can help heart function improve, like it feels like there's just so much hope around this disease state now that maybe we didn't hear as much about before. So I think it's incredibly important for patients and caregivers to understand that. And on those lines, I think part of that understanding where your disease state specifically lies and where you are on that spectrum, having that relationship with your provider and being an advocate for yourself is incredibly important. And on this podcast, we want to help patients better understand various treatment options so they can become those advocates for themselves while they discuss options with their providers. So Dr. Mentz, based on what you have published in the Journal of Cardiac Failure recently, like what's up and coming in the world of heart care that patients should be aware of? Thanks so much, Lucia. This is such an exciting time for the care of patients with heart failure. And maybe to dovetail off of some of Anu's comments, we realize our journal name is the Journal of Cardiac Failure. And, and we've focused a good bit on the language, as she mentioned, and taking this from failure to function and focusing on heart success for our patients. And key to this is something that Martha and many others have taught us around prevention, lifestyle changes. And the journal has really prioritized content looking at exercise, cardiac rehab. So we've shared a number of articles in that space on how patients and their care teams that it's not they're in this by themselves, but it really is a team that's put together around them to get them on the right medications at the right dose and to work on a management plan that's aligned with their goal. 
tools. So really that patient-centered focus, that multidisciplinary, meaning you have nurse clinicians and nurse scientists that are helping. You have pharmacists that are helping, all putting this care plan together. And then importantly at JCF, we've worked to cover topics across the disease severity spectrum, from prevention through newly diagnosed heart failure, through more advanced disease, even in patients that go on to LVAD or a mechanical heart or heart transplant. And we try to cover the breadth and the depth of lifestyle interventions, medication management, highlighting important studies that are ongoing around what degree should we be fluid restricting and really limiting our fluid? Some of these foundational questions that our patients have for us with the ongoing fresh up study that we've highlighted at the journal. Medication opportunities, realizing not only is it a pill that may benefit a patient, but exciting new therapies like intravenous or IV iron. And, and where are we with our understanding of that? There are important recommendations and statements coming up in that space at the journal as well. And then finally, everything from newer devices that are in the pipeline, but also looking back at our basic understanding of heart failure. And often that is something that our patients are coming to us as clinicians with questions. Help me better understand what is actually happening. So we've had a number of articles that have helped with our greater understanding about what's happening for patients. So we can explain the disease and then talk about all of these really exciting management options together. Yeah, and I think you highlight something that's really important, right? And that heart failure care is continuously evolving, even with these like basic science principles or these lifestyle principles that we've been going by for so many years, we're getting new data and learning how things are continuing to evolve. So I know when I talk to patients a lot about starting new medicines, they're like, but I've been on these two or three medicines for a long time. Why do I need to add another one or things like that? And so it's really important to understand that we continue to find the best ways to care for patients and continue to optimize care for patients. And it's going to be continue to evolve for years to come, right? Now, Dr. Galati, I want to turn it over to you now. Can you tell us about an impactful patient story you have read in the Patient and Caregiver Center in the journal? And how do you think these stories change the way that you specifically provide care to your patients? Yeah, thank you for that great question. I think we've had a lot of great patient stories that have taught us all many lessons, but I think the most impactful ones were the ones actually written by somebody that we ultimately ended up recruiting as part of our team, as you already heard about Kristen Flannery. After stalking her on Twitter, then we asked her if she, one, would be willing to write a story. And then uh, Rob ended up recruiting her. Robin Anu ended up recruiting her. And she wrote a beautiful first piece, and there was, it was followed by a second piece. The, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about both, actually, because they're interconnected. The first paper that she wrote was called The Quiet Place. And I think it was very profound to many of us. I mean, you know, when we're taking care of our patients when they're very sick or when they're actually dying in front of us, we focus on the patient, rightfully so. But often the family or the co-patient, as Kristen likes to call herself, gets ignored. I mean, we expect them just to be grateful your family member's alive and we don't know the trauma that they've gone through. And 
she relates this so beautifully about, you know, watching, first of all, her husband underwent cardiac arrest in front of her. She resuscitated him, which is traumatic enough. Then she had other medical people enter her home, take over that sort of traumatic care of her husband, watched him in the hospital, again, quite traumatic. We take all of this for granted because it's our everyday. But what she was going through, she called it the quiet place because where she was in her mind is she couldn't hear anybody. She didn't, she couldn't move past that she didn't understand what went on and why it might not happen again. And she talks about where healthcare the healthcare providers really need to meet patients and their families specifically in their quiet place to help lead them out of the darkness, to help guide them to what happened, what might happen in the future, and shed further information on it rather than just finishing because the patient looks okay in front of us. So I think that that was pretty profound. I've had so many people talk about that piece to me. And in medicine, she changed a lot of our thought process, I would say. Then she wrote another piece, and and this one was more recent, and it was called Words to Leave By. And, And this was actually her telling us how to build bridges out of that quiet place. What are the things that we should be saying to patients' families? Words that would actually help patients and their families understand, explaining what happened, naming what's happened, and validate their feelings of what they went through. And I think that all of this, I don't, you know, again, this last article is pretty new, but I think many people, I think the day it came out, I can't even remember the number of hits that it had in the sense that it was available to the public as we try to make all the pieces that are related to patients. And but how profound it was, I think, for us. I, I, I think Kristen might underestimate how profound the words she writes have helped us be better physicians. Because I think that now I think about this, not just the patient in front of me, but I think about their family and how are they? How are they coping with this? How did they cope with it? Are they still in that phase of shock and how can I help them? Because ultimately you can help your patient, but you do have to help the entire family. The entire family is part of the team of that patient getting well. So I thought those were probably the two most important ones that we have published and, and really had the privilege to publish. And I think that these will actually really help the healthcare team, but they will also help validate what the patient's family is going through and make people understand that other people, I mean, Kristen's very clear about this, that she was not helped out of her quiet place by her healthcare team. It was more her seeking the answers. And so she kind of did her own research to get herself out of that place. But I hope that we can do better by patients and their families that follow. I completely agree. Her stories were absolutely profound, like you said. I remember having chills reading them. And like you said, when we hear these stories from patients or co-patients, you know, it's something that we don't typically think about. So it's important for them to be sharing these thoughts with us so that we can continue to provide the best care to them and their, and their families. 
Dr. Lala, how do you think these patient stories and patients being engaged through various HFSA platforms can impact care on even a broader level? So Dr. Gulati talked about how this changes like her practice, but how do you think these stories change how our entire community provides care? Yeah, gosh, thanks so much, Lucy. It's such an important question. And Martha, you went through that so perfectly. I think we forget sometimes that patients are why journals and societies exist. You know, sometimes we lose sight of this. We get caught up in a lot of the action that we need to do, uh, building CVs, gaining recognition for the work that we're doing, and being active in terms of advocacy and otherwise. But the basis of all scientific inquiry and study and and this society is to improve the lives of the patients that we care for and their families. And I think Rob already nicely shared how we changed the name of this section based on Jillian's reminder from the patient and patient partner corner to the center because they are the center of why we do what we do. And I think one of the aspects of HFSA that we all treasure so much is its 360 degree approach and inclusion of members of the heart failure community from physicians to nurse clinicians and scientists and pharmacists and our patients and their patient and their partners. And so I think on a broader level, these stories allow us to communicate and transcend our individual specialties and our sort of quote unquote job titles. And then I think more broadly, when you take the case of Kristen and or Jillian and many other patient stories, we're able to also extend awareness and touching people's hearts and minds beyond our silos and our heart failure community to broader communities that may not necessarily be impacted by one or two aspects of care that we interact with on a daily basis, but broadly talking about health and disease in general. And we all know how all pervasive cardiovascular disease is. So I think there's tremendous power in these stories. I think one of the initiatives we're working on at JCF is is this notion of, of calling what the impact is of a given paper to our patients. So we're calling that paper to patient. So how can we bring relevance to a given paper and its findings to how it directly will impact how we approach patients and their partners? So in short, I mean, I think I could go on and on about this, but I think that this section, this initiative, this pursuit, both from the journal aspect as well as from the HFSA aspect, is central to everything that we do. Absolutely. And I know Dr. Gulati talked about how with Kristen, you know, you you stalked her on Twitter and got her to share this story with you guys. But I'm sure that there are some patients and caregivers listening here today, and they're inspired by hearing you all speak and understanding the importance and the value that they add to our team. So what's the best way for patients to become engaged and share their story through the Journal of Cardiac Failure? I think the best way for them is, first of all, to share their stories with us. We want them. We want, you know, everybody has a different take on what they've gone through. Everyone has gone through different things. And we want the opportunity to to help others not feel alone, but also to share things because that's the purpose of this journal. When we share research, you know, we're sharing it amongst the medical community, but there's no difference in, in 
when we share things our patients go through. We as healthcare professionals, we need to learn from them. But also, as you heard from both Rob and Anu, they, they want to make this journal to be central around the patient. And so we want even our patients to be reading this journal. And, and maybe they won't understand everything medical in the journal, but it's our job to convey what that means as well. And I think that that's a big part of what we want to do in this particular section within the Journal of Cardiac Failure is we want to be able to translate for our patients. I think the easiest way is to contact us. I think most of the letters or um, communications have come directly from people writing to us saying they would like to write. And we say, usually we're like, go ahead. And then we might help them edit it a little bit, but we really do want it to be their own words. So I think, you know, the specifics of which contacting the journal, contacting the editors, contacting someone you know on the journal, all of our emails are pretty public. And I think that that's a way for people to just contact us and say why they wanted, what they want to write and why they want to share it with us and look at some of the other papers that we have out there to see if that's something that's already been done. But again, we're at the earliest stages, so I doubt it's been done, to be honest with you. Amazing. So I imagine the contact information for the journal is on the Journal of Cardiac Failure website. Right. So you can go to onlinejcf.com, and then you can see the, the details there. The email address for our director of publishing is her name is Meredith Hurt. So it's mhurt, H-U-R-T, at hfsa.org. So feel free to reach out to us or take a look through the website and we're happy to assist. Fantastic. Thank you all. And in addition to sharing your story with the journal, we also encourage you to continue sharing your story on Facebook, Instagram, with HFSA using hashtag MyHFStory2023. We'll also continue this easy option for patients to share their story all year long after Heart Flare Awareness Week has come to an end. We can't wait to read your unique stories throughout the year. Any last comments you would like to leave our patients and caregivers? You guys have been great guests to have today. I would just say thank you. Appreciate you listening in, and we're looking forward to engaging with you further and hearing from you on how we can best serve the heart failure community. And I think another thing is just if, if people aren't feeling that they can write, but they communicate in a different way, whether that's by video, whether that's by poetry, whether that's, you know, by a TikTok video, we want to see them all. And that is our way, you know, it's more than just the journal, the, the part that we want to convey with our patients. And the last thing I'll add in terms of closing comments is just how much of an honor and a privilege we consider these roles to be. Um, we have found just profound satisfaction and fulfillment and friendship across this platform. And it is our privilege really to help and represent HFSA and all of the important work that it's doing. Wonderful. Thank you all so much. I'm going to add it to our list for next year. Maybe there's a TikTok dance that we can get the whole community to learn and do together to spread awareness. Do you promise? <laughs> I promise. <laughs> Thank you to all for being on the show today and diving into what's new and up and coming in heart failure care. We do hope this episode helps our patients and caregivers better understand your course of treatment and gives you the ability to discuss some of these options with your care team. 
To all the listeners of Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. For more patient-related content, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or visit the website at hfsa.org patient. And please, please continue to share your stories with us. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.